finally 310 days later the ottawa senators are back this is going to be coming out friday morning tonight they are hosting the toronto maple leafs playing their first national hockey league contest for the first time in nearly a calendar year it has been a long road there's been ups there's been downs but we are back there is plenty to be excited about this podcast has covered more time that the senators were not playing than they have the senators were playing uh, but a guy who has been covering the Ottawa Senators since time immemorial, since he was just a wee lad, is here on the show to join us to kick off this new season. You know him. You know him well. It is Brandon Plant of Sens Talk. How are you, sir? Brandon Mackey. Absolute pleasure to be back on such a great podcast. Uh, thanks for having me, man. Hey, don't set the expectations too high. And I don't want anyone <laughs> you're expecting quality. You know what I mean? But before we get into this, man, you're making some little some additions to your own team. Uh, couple friends of internal budget actually why don't you detail that a little bit and, and tell us how that came about yeah well ever since COVID started and I mentioned this back in April and March when this whole COVID-19 thing began and where it's gone now it's inc- it's crazy it's terrible but the only positive out of this whole COVID fiasco is the fact that I've been able to expand my channel expand the network and more importantly expand the great content for my great fans um, so by doing that I've been able to grow the fan base grow the support and when you do that all of a sudden you have more people watching now since there's more people watching I pride myself uh, for providing the Sens fans with the best quality content possible, especially these days where there's a lot of great content, there's a lot of good competition, and I love that. Uh, it's always good to bring in some extra voices, right? So with Sens prospects, he's literally the number one guy on any platform for Ottawa Sanders news. Absolutely. You can't tell, you can't explain to me, you can't tell me any other person that's better than Sens prospects unless they're working for the Ottawa Sanders uh, when it comes to Sens prospects. So no Sens one prospects is. There you go. And handsome. So it adds more handsomeness to uh, the channel as well. But, you know, overall, overall, it's just I want to provide the best content for the fans. And we haven't covered prospects nearly enough through my eight years of doing this. Um, so this is a great opportunity as an occasional you know, contributor uh, sends prospects to come on the team and, uh, you know, give the great fan base that I have and the great fan base here in Ottawa uh, the proper information they need about the sense prospects, especially during a rebuild. Now, Derek Lee who writes for Sense Shot, and I think is with the NES New Era Sense. Um, he's a guy that I've been, I had him the, the draft uh, stream. I did a live stream during the Sense draft uh, this year. Derek Lee joined us, and right away, I don't want to say I'm a scout or anything, but I knew that Derek Lee had a uh, good potential for broadcasting. Uh, so I had to really work. I had to really get him to, to agree to go on the show. At first, he was a little standoffish because, you know, he has a lot of work. He has a child. I understand that. Um, but when I see talent, I pursue, t- pursue talent. And thankfully, thank God, he uh, accepted the invitation as an NHL uh, you know, correspondent. I'm very excited to work with Derek Lee. He has great skill, great writer. Um, and, you know, I think this year is going to be a great year for content, for, for Sense Talk, for Eternal Budget. It's going to be a great, great year for Sense Hockey. I'm really excited. And I'm excited to see the new content that the three of you are putting out uh... Two of my favorite dudes, Sense Prospects and Derek, uh, both great writers too. Um, if you ever For think sure. about delving into that side of the medium, oh, you're... actually, I guess I'll I guess I'll announce it here. I've been speaking to a few people, including nothing's official yet, but Finnegan's Ghost on Twitter may be joining Sense Talk as a blogger too. Yes. we're we're trying to get into the blogger world, so we may be stealing every single one of your favorite Twitter followers. You can find them probably on SenseTalk.ca. Uh, Stay tuned for more information on that, but we're working really hard on uh, adding some more blogs to the 
the steam as well. I love it. I love to hear that. And like you said, it is going to be a great season with some great content. Why don't we jump right into it? There was uh, there were a yeah. few sends related news happenings that occurred this week. Uh, the first one <laughs> was the Senators losing Rudolph Balser's on waivers to the San Jose Sharks. And I don't know how much clearer I can make my thoughts on this. It was one of the reasons that I actually waited uh, till the till the 11th hour to post the podcast this week. And it's just, I said at the time, if you lose a guy like Balsters on waivers, that's, that's bad asset management. You can argue and quibble about whether or not he is a top prospect within the Ottawa Senators system. But at the end of the day, this is a guy whose ceiling is probably a solid top nine forward. Um, and if yeah, you want to get sure. rid of him, don't give him away for free. My, my, my whole gripe with it, and maybe I'm off base. I don't know the inner workings of NHL front offices and especially the Ottawa Senators. But to me, if you're putting a guy like Austin Watson on waivers, that's, he's not going to get claimed. You know, a guy like Rudy Balsers stands a much higher chance of getting claimed than an Austin Watson or even an Artem Anisimov or, or whatnot, right? So uh, so I didn't love the move. I don't love that he's gone. Now, there is the chance that the Senators can reclaim him if San Jose ever puts him back on waivers, whether it's for the purposes of placing him on the taxi squad or sending him to the AHL. But for now, Rudolph Balsers is no longer an Ottawa Senator, and I think that sucks. But uh, what do you think about it, Brandon? Well, on the point of the waiver thing, I, I think I forget who it was somebody from TSN 1200 that mentioned this. Ottawa has the first shot at reclaiming Rudolph Balsers if put on waivers again. So that is a positive out of all this terribleness. Overall, uh, in my sense forward season preview, I discussed how Cedric Paquette is more of a guy that I would put through waivers to be on the taxi squad. He probably won't get claimed. If he's claimed, it's whatever. Uh, nothing against him, but a guy like Rudolph Balsters, you could put him on the third line. Like I put him on the third line over a Galchenyuk, for example. Uh, if you're in a rebuild right now, uh, especially when you, you know, flexed about having six assets on the Eric Carlson trade, one of those assets was Rudolph Balsters, who was just claimed. So if you're into this rebuild, your bottom six, sure, you're not going to put a Drake Batherson. You're not going to put a Josh Norris. You're not going to put a Logan Brown in your bottom six. But a guy like Rudolph Balsers or a Philip Schlappick, those are the guys that should be in your bottom six this year. Now, of course, you should have some veteran additions like Austin Watson I'm fine with. But if he's being put on the on the team over Rudolph Balsers who gets claimed, I have an issue with that. So overall, I understand the importance to bring in veterans. And I understand, you know, trying to create a winning culture and, uh, you know, having a more competitive team. But I feel that there were too many acquisitions brought in this offseason, um, and it's cost us Rudolph Balsters. Yeah, I mean, you know, I was never, and I know I was in the minority here, I was never in the camp that the Senators were bringing in too many vets. With the way the taxi squad is going to work, I figured that they were bringing in enough guys that was going to lead to a solid rotation and, and insurance in, in the case of injuries, which is guaranteed to happen. I mean, we've already had some senators get hurt, whether it's in Europe or in camp. Vitaly Abramov starting the season on IR. Uh, Eric Branstrom got cut from the team because he was hurt and then because he had uh, close contact with a COVID-19 positive, and now he's going to start the season in Belleville. So, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if, if it's correlation or causation in terms of bringing the veterans in. I just think it's not... I just didn't think it was a wise move to put a guy like that on waivers. I was to tell you the truth. I would have been more surprised if he didn't get claimed. Yeah. Um, this is a guy who's a two-time AHL all-star, almost a point of game player in Belleville. 
I don't know what you were expecting from putting this 23 year old asset on waivers. And yeah, you have a deep prospect pool, but why not hang on to as many as you can? And, and this has been the argument kind of around some cuts that were made to the team too. Logan Brown uh, is a player who has been controversial to say the least in his time with the Ottawa senators. Uh, Now, you know, he had a really good off season, but now we're in a position again where he's going to be starting the season off in Belleville. And I don't pretend to know how Logan's feeling about the entire situation with the organization. I can't imagine he's thrilled to be back in Belleville, but I, I don't know. Like I'm, I'm in a position now at, in my thinking where it feels like the senators and Logan Brown are running out of road. You have an asset who's aging, not old, but aging, um, a guy who is still yet to make that jump dominant in the, in the American Hockey League, but still just can't find that consistent pace at the NHL level. Um, and if you want to trade him or if he wants a trade, then how high is his value going to be? Are you going to get anything back that's better than what Logan Brown is? I don't think so. So now it's like it's I, I it's like he's either got to contribute quickly or bust, which is why I wanted to see him get a solid look in the top six. If Josh Norris outperformed him, that's one thing, but, but how are you feeling about the Logan Brown cut? Do you think he should have been given that shot right away regardless, or is it one of those things where he's just got to start performing? Well, it comes two ways. Firstly about this, go back to the Balser thing for a second. I have no problem. Like with you, I had no problem bringing in all those veterans, but if they're making the team, over Rudolph Balsers, that's an issue because I don't think a Paquette or a Watson will be claimed over Balsers. That's one. Yeah, me neither. Two, with Logan Brown, it, it comes down to this. The kid's talented. He's proven everything he needs to prove in the AHL, but for some reason, he's not proving enough to be a top six forward in the National Hockey League. Now, of course, we haven't seen enough coverage of the Sen scrimmages this year, so we don't really know anything about what happened, so I can't really comment too much, but from what we've seen and with all the drama... Uh, I don't know if it's motivation. I don't know if it's just a lack of, you know, opportunities. I don't know what it is. Cause like I said, we don't have that, you know, ear in the room, but from what I've seen, it's a talented prospect, not given the minutes. That's what I'm seeing right now. He's not getting the minutes that he needs when he's on the national hockey league team. He's in power play two minutes, which is, which I, which I support, but he's like on the third or fourth line. If you're going to give him, uh, you know, bottom six minutes fine put him on the third line with some scoring wingers and then put him on the power play if you don't want him in your top six but the Sanders are very very do this quite often frankly uh with prospects where they don't give them the opportunity that they need you can look at a Philip Schlappick you can look at a Curtis Azar where they rushed him then threw him to the fourth line you can look at Schlappick where he's a third or fourth line guy which I agree with but they don't give him the opportunity uh, to be on the third or fourth line and then you got Logan Brown who's a top six guy um Right now, I'd say he's top nine. Definitely a third. He could definitely be a third line center in the National Hockey League this year. So, where do we go from here? Can they re Can they reamend their issues? I don't know. I don't know, frankly. And um, with him being cut this year uh, and being put on Belleville, his value isn't high. So, can you trade him? I don't know. It's just a really bad situation to be in if you're Ottawa. Yeah, it sucks for both sides. Um, you know, yeah, you have a talented player that's probably a good fit on this team in some capacity, but you just haven't been able to find it yet. And 
And look, I, where I can say dip- one thing actually about that, yeah, yeah. I'll say one thing because on the power play, this is what upsets me about Logan Brown on the power play. We've seen in the national hockey league, Logan Brown can translate his skill on the power play in the national hockey league. For sure. He, he, he has the skill. This is not, I'll answer. He hasn't been given an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, where I kind of differ from you is I don't think I want Logan Brown on the Ottawa Senators if it's a third or fourth line capacity. Uh, yeah, that's fair. You know, for sure. Yeah, that's just not where his role is going to be in, mm-hmm. in the future. He's an offensive yeah. player. Frankly, if you're putting him on the third or fourth line, he's going to be getting a good amount of assignments against the other team's best players. I don't know if that plays to Logan Brown's strengths. He's not a bad skater, but I don't think he has the skating to keep up with another team's top line with an top line of, you know, Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and like, you know, just the top end players that they're going to see in this year's North division. Um, And the thing is like you heard DJ Smith and Pierre Dorian talking about how well Josh Norris gets up and down the ice. Um, I think their offensive skill levels between Norris and Logan Brown is comparable. They're both really good at moving the puck. They're both good shooters. Um, they're both, their awareness is both top notch in the offensive zone. For me, I'm wondering if it, if it just came down to skating, if Josh Norris is a better skater than Logan Brown and he can match speed with the other team's top players, he can get up and down the ice. It's looking like it's going to be aligned with Brady Kachuk and Drake Batherson, which is going to be fun. Uh, but those are two guys. Yeah, but those are two guys that can move, right? Like a lot of people knock Brady Kachuk skating, but he can move. We saw him out skate guys and go in on breakaways and score some pretty goals last year. And one can only assume it's gotten better with an extended offseason. So do you think that's it? Do you think it's just a skating thing that's separating Norris and Brown right now? Well, I'll say this. Josh Norris is an excellent skater. So if you're going to compare Logan Brown with Josh Norris for skating, then yes, of course. I'd say that Josh Norris is... Like we've said, they're very comparable between the two offensively. Josh Norris had a great season last year with Belleville. So skating is a huge factor um, in the National Hockey League. We all know that. That's that's probably the most obvious thing I've said on this show. But what what how that relates to this situation is the fact that it's pretty obvious at this point it was Logan Brown or Josh Norris for that spot on the Brady Kachuk line. It's pretty obvious now. So they figured that Logan Brown probably wouldn't be able to keep up, or I'm not saying he wouldn't be able to, but this is what the sense coaching probably felt, that Logan Brown wouldn't be able to keep up. uh, And they thought they just don't see a fit for him on this team anymore, frankly. So I'm going to throw a a crazy wild card at you because I personally think after all we've seen and Logan Brown not making the team anymore, I have a bad feeling about Logan Brown with the sense in the future. So, I mentioned in my sense defensive preview the other day on YouTube where Nikita Zaitsev is a log jam for sense prospects on the blue line. You got Christian Malanen on the third pairing who should, who should be in the top four. I can't stress that enough. We'll get to him later, but would you, I want to throw a question to you on your own show. Okay. I hope this is not stepping on a line, no, that's totally fine. but <laughs> in a, let's say we were, we were texting about this yesterday. Yeah. Nikita Zaitsev, we trade him. Would you include Logan Brown in that package to get rid of Zaitsev's? Um, you know, dollars and years. I don't think Logan Brown's enough to to get yeah, rid of that contract. <laughs> I think honestly, that's I fair. think you're. I think if you are going to dump that contract, it's going to be with like a second round pick or maybe even a first. Uh, so so no, I I don't. And the thing with the thing with Logan Brown too is, you're right. Like time is the enemy of this situation, and I think the Senators still want to have him around. I think they still see a player here. Um, 
the question is going to be if Logan Brown is not saying, you know, I'm done. Like I, I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. I'm not, pr- I have nothing left to prove to you. Um, hmm. And, and that's we the, could, the, the we frankly thing. could be there already. Yeah, we could be. And, and be there you know already, what? like, like part of me is saying, I don't blame Logan Brown for that. Uh, you know, I feel like he got a decent opportunity to succeed last year. It sounded like the wheels kind of fell off. He got hurt in the middle of his NHL stint and just wasn't able to bounce back. And that's, we saw it. We saw him go from playing top line minutes to playing eight minutes a night and then back to Belleville and then never got a, never got a sniff the rest of the year again. I got hurt again in Belleville. Um, So I think, I think the opportunity is going to be there. We are going to see guys get hurt. The, the reality of it is we don't know how Josh Norris is going to perform. Um, you know, mm-hmm. we have no reason to suspect that he's going to struggle at the NHL level, especially with the strength of his line mates that he's going to be playing with. But if he doesn't, if he struggles or if somebody gets hurt, if a Chris Tierney gets hurt or if a Colin White or an Artem Isimov or whoever, or Stepan even gets hurt, we're going to see Logan Brown playing in Ottawa yeah. at some point this year. Um, if he wants that opportunity, I think if by the end of this season, Logan Brown hasn't asserted himself as an NHL player, a top six NHL center. I, I think both, I think it's time for both sides to part ways. Um, I agree. You know, I, I think that for sure. I said, uh, I said, they've, I said they're running at a road on Twitter and sends insider replied. And he said, uh, they've been on gravel for a while now. And I think that's, I yeah. think that's actually kind of true. Um, you know, he is a good player, but at some point, something's got to give he's either got to make an impact or the team has got to say we're not we've gone as far as we're willing to go Uh, but another guy who has really made an impact and funnily enough has also kind of struggled with injuries but unlike brown is actually going to get a shot in this year's lineup is a guy i know you wanted to talk about and that's christian willannon uh trevor shackles and i we've been the uh conductors of the willannon hype train ever since the end of the 2018 season when he had that call up and he looked really good. So I am really excited to see him get a solid look this year based on, you know, we're obviously recording this on Thursday. It'll be coming out Friday morning. And, and based on Thursday's practice lines, it looks like he's going to be on the second pairing with Nikita Zaitsev. So how are you feeling about Christian Willannon this year? And how are you feeling about that pairing and, and him finally getting that top four opportunity? Well, I'm thrilled about the top four opportunity, but I think this is the wrong defenseman to put with Christian Malandin. Nikita Zaitsev is one of the worst defensemen analytically in the National Hockey League. Now, I'm not saying he's not a good defenseman, but I'm not saying he's a great one. He's a guy you would probably want to have on your third pairing, frankly. And if it wasn't for his contract or his ties with with Coach DJ Smith, he would be on the third pairing or scratched. Um, and that's not that's nothing against him. It's just... Listen, this is hockey. It's a business, and he's yeah, just the numbers. Not the numbers don't favor him, right? Like, yeah, the numbers I, are not not in his favor. No, and I don't want to slam the guy because you know he's no, he's a person not. and he works hard. And so, but, it, but yeah, if we're talking purely statistical, then then yeah, Nikita Zaitsev like, is, is not an analytics darling. That's for sure. And, and all I'm, and this is this more probably more of this anger is not at directed at Zaitsev. It's more at the Sands management. He's doing his job. He's doing the best he can. But they just love these type of players who the fans hate you know, analytically anyways, uh, with CC and everything. But anyways, we'll move on now to Christian Willannon and that pairing with Zaitsev. I'm not the biggest fan of it. I like Willannon on the left D, on the second pairing. 
but I would put a guy one healthy like Brandstrom or a guy like Zub somewhere. Just mess around with it. See what you got. You know, this is a season without any fans. See what you got on the back end. Maybe Zub could be something. Maybe Josh Brown could be something. Uh, but moving on now to Christian Milanin, you know, you've been on this train since 2018. I've been on this train for a bit too. Christian Milanin, in my opinion, right now on the Sens, on this Sens team, is the second best defenseman by far. Uh, he's such a great offensive talent. He's a flawless skater. Uh, he has great hockey IQ, and he's not the worst defender either. And when you have a good skater like Willanin, the defense will come. So I'm not worried about that part of his game. But I think when the season is done, Christian Willanin will cement himself as a top four defenseman long term for the Ottawa Sanders. And I think a lot of fans will see him as a, a piece moving forward for the Sanders as they look for unparalleled success. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I think I think Christian Willanin has been the second best defenseman on the Ottawa Senators yeah. for a long time. And to your point about air, uh, experimentation and seeing different pairings. I think we are going to get that. Uh, Otto's got a lot of bodies on the blue line that can at least play. Um, yeah. You can argue about whether or not they're going to be effective with guys like Coburn and good Branson and Mike Riley and whoever, yeah. but Artem Zub's going to get to play. There's a reason he's on the taxi squad, not in Belleville. Uh, yeah. There's a Braden Coburn's going to get to play. Josh Brown is going to get to play. I personally, and this is something I felt, I just have a funny feeling that a Josh Brown, Thomas Shabbat pairing is going to work out really well. I don't know why I feel that way. Um, I think their no, game. I can understand that. Yeah, I think their games are complementary enough, that. like that they can. It's, you have you have the one guy who's staying home, boxing out the front of the net, and then you have, and then you have Shabbat, who's Shabbat. You know. And can I say uh, one thing about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mentioned this in my Sense D preview sense defenseman preview with Shabbat. Now, a lot of people don't love good Branson and he's not an analytical darling like Zaitsev. Um, but good Branson is just like Josh Brown in this situation where he's going to allow Tom Shabbat to, you know, do his thing offensively. And he's not, no one's going to be holding Shabbat back from his offensive capabilities. I believe Zaitsev held Shabbat back last year. So like you just said, I like the fact that Zaitsev isn't paired with Shabbat anymore. And more importantly, I think a guy like Josh Brown would be perfect eventually with Shabbat because he's sort of like a, like a Borietsky. And yeah, we love Borietsky, so why can't we love Josh Brown? Yeah, I want Shabbat to really open it up this year and just go for yeah. broke offensively. His defense, we know he can play defense. His defensive game actually took a step forward last year in terms of his isolated impact in his own end. So, but but yeah, further about Willannon, that's another guy who gets a bad rep from some people. It's like, well, he can't play, he can't play defense. It's like, no, he's a good two-way defenseman. Uh, yeah. You know, I think this, I think his ceiling probably tops out as a second power play guy. Uh, and you know, I love, I love what he does in both ends of the ice. He is poised. He's confident. He's got an underrated physical game too. There was a play, I believe it was last year, early last year, they were playing, I think it was Carolina and Willandon was skating up the boards and he had a defender coming down on him around the and around I think it was the top of the neutral zone, and he knew okay. he was going to take a big hit because he was far yeah. from the boards. So he ch chips the puck ahead, takes a monster hit, uh, and ends up assisting on a goal. So the fact that a guy like that, you know, he's willing to stand in there and, and take hits like that 
to make plays. That's a guy you want on your team. And he was one of the players who in their off season interviews was talking about how, you know, we're sick of being the doormat of the league. Yeah. Like we're ready to start winning. Now we're tired of hearing about rebuild. We're tired of hearing whatever, like we want to start winning him and Brady Kachuk were very vocal in their belief that this could be a playoff team this year. So I'm really yeah. excited to see we and get a top four. Look, is, is Nikita Zaitsev going to hurt his game? I don't a think bit. so. I'd say a bit. Well, it might hurt his numbers, but we saw it. In my opinion, we saw it with Shabbat last year, where Shabbat is this offensive genius, and he had a good season last year. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But you could see that Shabbat was being held back. So that's my personal worry with Willanin, because God bless Willanin, but he's not as skilled as Tom Shabbat. No. So I'm I'm a little nervous to see what happens here. Yeah. Hopefully, I like your take. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm I'm very nervous. Yeah. I, when I say I, I don't think it's going to hurt his game, like, yeah, it might hurt his numbers. He might not, you know, well, Christian Milanen might not score 20 goals this year. Yeah. But, yeah. but, but, but yeah, like he might have to, he, his, you know, plus minus might get hurt, possession ratings might get hurt, things like that. But I think the Senators know what they have in this player. Uh, they yeah. weren't knocking Thomas Shabbat after a Nikita, after a bad season or, a comparatively bad season statistically, I guess with Nikita Zaitsev. So I think we're going to see this team take a step forward offensively this year as well. I think Shabbat will sure. score more goals than he did last year. You've added guys, right? Like you've added Evgeny Dadnov and you've added Derek Stepan. And so you have more guys that can put the puck in the net and, Oh, there's that rookie who's jumping up. I think he's, he's schnitzel What's or his something. Name again? Yeah. You know, <laughs> obviously Tim <laughs> Stutzla is going to be, is going to be an impact player this year. I think at least on some level, and maybe he won't win the Calder, but he's going to be a viable option in the top six. So I think everybody's numbers are going to get a, a little bit inflated. I think Christian Milanen is going to have a really good season. And I guess now that we've kind of delved into talking about the forwards uh, before we wrap it up here, I, I think why not? Let's talk some forwards, uh, man. <laughs> there's been some serious additions to this forward core. Yeah. I think Graham Nichols yesterday, actually, sorry, it was Brent Wallace who posted Ottawa's opening lineup, opening night lineup for last year in October of 2019. Yeah. And, uh, I counted eight players who are still who are going to be in the opening lineup on Friday that are still around. So gone are JG Pajot, gone are Anthony Duclair, guys who were big parts of this team. So now when you've made these additions, like Evgeny Dadnov, like Derek Stepan, like Austin Watson, or like Alex Galchenyuk as well, do you think this is a better Ottawa Senators forward group than it was last year? Oh, 100%. 100%. You could just, just adding Tim Stutzla alone makes this team or dad a thousand times better than last year. Yeah. Say that dad again. Sorry. Alone. Cut out. Sorry. Or Dadanov alone. Yeah. And Or Dadanov. Yeah. You're adding a 30 goal scorer to the team, which Ottawa hasn't had since Milan McCulloch. So you're adding great talent to this team. Then you got Derek Stepan, who is had a bad season last year with Arizona. Yeah. But he's still 30 and he has multiple 50 plus seasons on his uh, resume. He'll be just fine. Ottawa. Their offensive group has not been as good for a few years. And like you just said, a lot of forwards were gone from last year. Don't expect the same next year for the top six. I think Stepan might may be given a look if he has a good season. I think Ottawa has a lot, a lot of positives to look at in the top nine this year. They have a lot of good forwards. And um, you know, I expect them to be fun. Will they win? I don't know, but they're gonna be fun to watch. There's gonna be a lot of goals. One thing I really want to talk about and Look, we don't know exactly how the opening night roster tomorrow is going to shake out, but we're in a situation here on Thursday where you have Colin White 
and Alex Galchenyuk as the extra forwards at Sens practice. And if you had told me three months ago that Colin White had the potential of being a healthy scratch in the opening game of the season, I would have punched you in the neck. You know what I mean? Like it just, it makes yes. no sense. Yeah. Uh, and I've haven't, I've been a guy that has not been critical of, of DJ Smith. I have really, really liked the majority of what he's done, me but too. this is a head scratcher for me. Um, Galchenyuk is one thing, but Colin white, who at the end of last season, I think he had like six points in his last seven games or something like that. Uh, you know, he was yeah, really six, starting to, he had a good end. He had a good, yeah, end. he was really starting to bounce back after the injury and the rough start. Uh, he had a really good offseason and a really good camp by all accounts. So I cannot wrap my head around Colin White being, you know, being a healthy scratch. Like, it's just I'm struggling to form the words to articulate that this doesn't make sense to me. So so what, are you, so what are you thinking about it? Like, am I off base here or is this banana lands? It doesn't make any sense. You, it was less than two years ago you signed this guy to a six-year, $4.25 million deal. Now he's potentially a mat, uh, a healthy scratch uh, on your opening night roster. What was what was the exact words that Eugene Melnick said when uh, Dave Cameron started uh, Matt O'Connor? Oh my god, <laughs> I don't even remember, but it was not. Well, insert that quote here because yeah. if Colin White, insert that quote here because if Colin White is not somewhere on the lineup in opening night, I think that's a colossal mistake. Um, I'm, I don't like. I said we don't know as much as the coaching staff. We're oh, just yeah. podcasters, and that's obvious. But I, come on, you just signed this guy to, he has five years left on this deal. He's a first round pick from a few years ago. He should not be anywhere but on the ice. He should be yeah. on the ice and you should be giving him minutes. Now, bottom six minutes, that's your choice, but he should be getting minutes. And this is, if he's, if he's not starting, I have some questions to ask. It's a little yeah. weird. Yeah. I don't know who would even be starting over him. Yeah, and maybe he's hurt, or maybe he maybe he yeah, didn't have a good camp, even though we heard that he was people were raving about him at camp. That's why um, and that's why I'm confused. I put yeah. him on my top six in my preview, and now now he's potentially being scratched. I'm it's it's a real head scratcher. Yeah, I and I don't like it's a guy that doesn't just have to play center. He's played the wing, he can play right wing. So yeah. you're telling me you can't take out one of Austin Watson or Artemanisimov or or whoever to make room for a Colin white. Like that doesn't, that doesn't track with me. And maybe we'll hear more about it today or tomorrow. It's, you know, I think Pierre Dorian's going on the radio here in a couple hours, but, but I mean, it's just, it's baffles me. It really does baffle me. And I'm on the record as being a guy who's high on Colin white. I wrote a whole ass article last year titled Colin white is going to be fine. Everybody needs to relax. Uh, you know, just yeah. about how this is a good player. He's a good two-way forward. He's going to be fine. He's had some injuries. He needs a better supporting cast, any number of things. But you don't have him in your opening night lineup against the Toronto Maple Leafs in a 56-game season. And yes, like there needs to be forward rotation. There has to be. Like this is going to be a sure. weird season. Guys are going to sure. get hurt. Any number of things is going to happen. But you're telling me Colin White is the guy you're rotating in instead of rotating out like i don't love that and if you're and if it's all the inflate trade value for guys like artem anisimov and austin watson then you're doing it wrong like that that should not come at the expense of colin white you know no. um like it should be like a mikhail bodker situation where you know i'm not saying sit anisimov and watson and those guys for the entire year like they're they're they can be valuable depth contributors for sure but 
they've got to earn the trade value. You can't force it. You can't make it happen. You can't manufacture it. Uh, so I'm really at a loss for words, man. Like, like, and we haven't even talked about Alex Galchenyuk, who was supposedly one of the big free agent acquisitions that was going to be playing in the middle six, being in the same boat. So maybe there's injuries or something. Maybe, maybe we're not I, I, privy to some of the details, but God, like, it's just, it's, I'm, I'm stunned. I feel like my head's spinning around. Yeah, well, that happens a lot when you're an Ottawa Senators fan. But Coach uh, DJ Smith uh, and his TSN 1200, by the way, you may hear Brady, my dog, barking. I'm sure you're used to that, too, with your That's dog. That's fine. But... My girlfriend's over here <laughs> laughing at TikToks. So. There you go. <laughs> but head coach DJ Smith um, did say today that we, they have not made a final decision uh, on the lineup tomorrow, uh, and they still have a few decisions to make. So we'll see. Who knows? By the time we listen to this tomorrow, this could be all outdated. I just want to throw that out there because he did say that. Yeah, I hope I have my foot in my mouth tomorrow because I want to see Colin White play. I want to see yeah. how he bounces back after a tough season. Like, that's an important thing. Yeah. You know, going into this, as you enter the final stages of this rebuild and you start to hit contention. But yeah, man, it just doesn't, does not make sense to me. And I guess we should talk about goaltending too. Um, <laughs> I think, I, th- <laughs> I guess, why not? Yeah, I guess, you know, <laughs> only the biggest acquisition of a goaltender over the offseason, well, you could argue anyway. Uh, yeah the senators are in a funny position in net because you were going from a situation where Craig Anderson was the guy Ottawa had one goaltender for the last nine years or so, 10 years or so. And it was Craig Anderson. And now he's gone and you have this vacuum that opened up in net. And unfortunately it also came with the injury to honors Nelson, who I know is there's zero chance he's listening to this, but I've said it a bunch of times. I I wish him well. And as someone who's been through what he's going through, I hope he comes out of it soon because it sucks. It really does. But Matt Murray, uh, the senators got him for a great price. It shocked me how little they got him for. Um, One of his better deals. Yeah. There are people that are iffy on the contract and whatnot, but I think Matt Murray's a bounce back candidate. I really do. Um, I think he's going to maybe not this year because they're going to be peppered with a lot of shots, but I think For maybe, sure. maybe next year, even we're starting to see Matt Murray emerge as a quality starting goaltender again. And you have a really good backup in Marcus Hogberg or one B even. So there are people who are uncomfortable with the goaltending situation, but honestly, it's the least of my worries. Like, well, where, where, what are you thinking on it? Like, where do you land on the whole goaltending thing? The senators have the best goaltending prospect system in the national hockey league i you can you can quote me on that but that's just a fact in my opinion without a doubt they have in my opinion five or six out of the seven guys right now in the system i'd say are probably going to be starting on an nhl team five out of five five out of seven like they're they're they have so many riches in the goaltending department so when people brought up the matt murray contract and had an issue with it well he's a two-time cup champion and he needed a contract what do you expect he wants financial you know, security. Worst case, worst case, he doesn't do well. You deal with that at the time and you have plenty of prospects coming in. I'm not worried. Matt Murray, like I, like you said, bounce back candidate for sure. I think the Sanders are going to find a way to play better defensively. And last year, Anderson, who firstly, shout out to him for getting that contract with Washington, but Anderson, you know, legend in Ottawa with one of the worst teams in NHL history in front of him, frankly, still had an above 900 save percentage. So Matt Murray, a two-time cup champion. I have no issue. I expect between 905, 910 save percentage. Not great, but decent. Um, and then Marcus Hogberg, too. I want to talk about him for a second because I think if he was a starter this year for Ottawa, 
And Ottawa wanted to go through another year of rebuilding. If it didn't require goaltending and Hogberg was a starter, I'd frankly be comfortable with that. I think Hogberg is ready um, not to be a starter, but definitely a 1A, 1B situation, which I, which I personally think is what you're going to see here in Ottawa because they want to give Hogberg minutes. And I think obviously Murray will get the the majority of the starts. But if you look at Colorado with Grubauer and Francus, where 60% of the starts are going to Grubauer, 40 to Pavel Francus, I think you could be seeing something like that in Ottawa for sure. Definitely. Yeah, I think so too, especially with the way the schedule is compacted and you're yeah. going to be playing a lot of back-to-backs, you know, three games in four nights type deal. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I think schedule. you're right. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think you're going to see a healthy dose of both guys, which is going to be good for yeah. both of them in the long run. You don't throw Hogberg to the Wolves right away. You give him a chance to kind of ease into that yeah. 1B role and you don't put too much pressure on Matt Murray and what's potentially another lost yeah. year. Um so, yeah, I, I really like how their goaltending tracks. And you're right about their prospect system, too. Um, you know, having maybe five of, seven, five of those seven guys being NHLers. You have three of them yeah, that already you are. You have, you have Matt Murray, Marcus Hogberg, and you could argue that Joey Decord is right there, is. too. Um, when I interv- yeah, when I interviewed Spiros Anastas, the head coach of the Brampton Beast, uh, he told me, he's like, Joey Decord will be an NHL goaltender. He said whether or not it's for Ottawa is one thing, but he will be an NHL goaltender. And- um, Kevin Mandelize has had like had a really good camp by all accounts. He's had a really good offseason. He finished strong last year in the Quebec yeah. League. So, I mean, in terms of goaltending, I think they're set. But yeah, with I Joey really Decor, with the few, the few times I've interviewed him and I've just spoken to him, you quickly realize, firstly, that this is a very mature young man, and he's ready for the National Hockey League when it comes to maturity. If he wanted to be in the National Hockey League, he's mature enough to be in the National Hockey League. He grew up in a goaltending household. Uh, his father, yes, he yeah, did. <laughs> he grew up basically set to be a National Hockey League goalie. It's in his blood to be a goalie. And I want to throw this out there. I don't think enough people are talking about the potential of him being selected by Seattle in the expansion draft. I think I that's certainly think a possibility. Yeah, I think that's a possibility for sure. And I think I don't want to lose Joey Decord. I think he could potentially be the best prospect we have right now, frankly, uh, for goaltending anyway. Um, and I think, yeah, him being scooped up by Seattle is certainly a worry and definitely a, a possibility in my opinion. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you signed the Matt Murray long-term deal, right? Like you need, yeah. you need your future set. I mean, for a guy who's 26 years old, he'll be what around 30 by the end of the time yeah. that contract's done. So, so maybe, and maybe that's why the senators continue to draft goaltenders, but uh, Brandon, this has been great, man. I've really enjoyed having you on. And before we wrap it up here, I figured we should give at least a little bit of a mention to what we're expecting out of this season. Yeah. So you know, I'll, I'll give you the time, uh, take it however long you want. I mean, I got nothing else to do. We're in a stay-at-home order here. So so tell me how you think the Ottawa Senators are going to do. Tell me who the most valuable players are going to be this year. Tell me who might surprise you. Give it all to me, man. Lay it on me. I got you. I got you. I'm going to put hours of sense talk footage into a couple of minutes for you. The, the Senators version. this year are not going to make the playoffs. Their division is too good. I think if they were in the Atlantic, they'd have a shot. But in in this division, it's too good. So I think Ottawa. I don't think Ottawa will be last. Frankly, I think you can find them fifth or sixth. I think their goaltending has improved. I think their defense has improved. Frankly, with Willan in there now, and offensively, of course, they've improved. So they're definitely going to be better than they were last year. Now MVP. Uh, I'm hoping the Calder will go to Tim Stutzla. Um, the kid is so dynamic, and I would 
I'll, I'll say it. I think he's the best sense prospect we've ever had based off of hype and everything and expectations. So I hope Stutzla, I'm calling it. I think he will win the Calder. I think given a top six role, I think he'll have a good shot at it. Uh, Ottawa, overall, they're going to be better. Not playoffs, but better. They're going to be watchable. They're going to be fun to watch. Uh, definitely going to be physical. So if you're a guy that or whoever that likes watching physical hockey, uh, you're going to get that with Ottawa. And most importantly, they're going to improve. All facets of the game is going to improve. Offensively, defensively, goaltending. The prospects are going to develop. So overall, Ottawa is going to get better, but not good enough to be in the playoffs. But I think next year, after this season, next season is where we should start to begin to say our expectations make the playoffs. One more decent year, but I think this is the year where they start to curve back to contention. Yeah, when I look at the way this this roster is constructed, a couple things stand out. Uh, the Senators got better up front. They got more talented. Yeah. They got faster. They got stronger. They got deeper. I really, really like what they added at the forward position. Like, you know, we mentioned losing Balser sucks, but but it's also yes. not the end of the world for for a roster this deep and with a prospect pool that is, that is this packed. Um, the way the things I consider when I'm talking about where the senators are going to land in terms of the standings, I look at one thing that really stands out to me and it's their blue line, uh, their blue line. You have talent, you have guys like Shabbat and you, well, you have Shabbat and everybody else, frankly, you have Christian Malanin, who's a solid three or four option on a contending team. You have uh, Josh Brown, who you don't know what you're going to get. You have Artem Zub, who you, don't know what you're going to get. You have good Branson and Zaitsev who you have an idea of what you're going to get. But I mean, with those guys playing in top four roles, it's not what you see on contending teams, right? So I think, and I, I hate interrupt you, no, but no, I no, think please. I would be doing a disservice if I didn't. Mike Riley's a guy that not enough people speak about, in my opinion, as well. In yeah. his brief time with Ottawa last year, I prefer Will Annan over him in the top four. But I think Riley has some offense to give, and he's definitely an NHL caliber defense. I just wanted to throw that out there. So. Yeah, I think I think we both like their left side, and we're not so hot on their right side. Um, yeah. Branstrom is will be a left side guy too when he comes up as well, and he'll get plenty of opportunities this year. So I think ultimately that blue line is probably going to get caved in, and that's not a knock on them, right? Like look at the teams they're playing. Look at the Leafs top six. Look at Edmonton's top six. Even Vancouver's top six is disgusting. So yeah, and Montreal got better too. Montreal's deep. Like, they're they're going to be up near the top of this division, I think. So, so with Winnipeg that in too. mind, so with that in mind, I'm picking the Senators to be last in the division. Yeah. Now it would not surprise me if they, you know, jump up to that sixth, fifth, or maybe even that fourth spot and squeak into the playoffs. I think with the talent they have up front, uh, they can make some noise. It would depend heavily on Matt Murray and Marcus Hogberg stealing some games because I don't think the Ottawa senators are going to outscore many of the teams in this division, despite the talent they have, unless Tim Stutzler comes out as a point of game player, then maybe we're having a conversation, (laughs) but I think they are going to finish last. Um, But that's not to say I don't like what they did in the off season. I think if this is a regular year, then the senators are maybe we're talking with them between between being God being between that kind of 13th to 10th spot in the Eastern conference. I think they've improved. I don't think it's enough to power them through Mm -hmm what is the best or second best division in the league this year, uh, at least in terms of pure talent. So, but again, I really like what they did. I'm expecting Brady Kachuk, Thomas Shabbat, Tim Stutzla all to have really good years. I think my hot take is that Derek Stepan is going to be a fan favorite by the end of his time in Ottawa. I think so too. Whether that's the trade deadline or the end of the season, I think he's going to really bounce back. My MVP is going to be Brady Kachuk. Um, 
as this team goes, as he goes, so does this team. Uh, he brings yeah. the attitude. He brings the swagger. And oh yeah, he produces offense on the same level as guys like Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid and Alex Ovechkin. So now that you have guys around him that can finish, guys like Dadanov, guys like uh, guys like Tim Stutzla, Batherson, I'm hoping takes a big step this year. Norris, I think Brady's going to be the guy. And yeah, that's how I see the team shaking out. Brandon, it has been a pleasure having you as always, my friend. Always a always- pleasure to be on. Always great to talk to you. Always great to have you on the show. Congratulations on the new additions to Sense Talk. I mean, you're Appreciate adding it. some great people and you're only the stellar content that you put out is only going to get better. Plug your socials, my friend, for the people who have not heard you on this show before. Thank you, Brand. Once again, absolute pleasure to be on the show. It's always an honor to be here and uh, I look forward to some great hockey chatter moving forward while we finally have something to talk about, some Sense Hockey finally. If you ever want to follow me on Twitter, at Sense Talk underscore is where we're at sensetalk.ca is our official website and all our content is uploaded to youtube on sense talk just look it up you'll find us you'll i'm sure i have a good feeling you'll be able to <laughs> see my face on the platform i post quite often so if you're an audible sanders fan you want your information as soon as it happens and you want it in a video form sense talk on youtube we upload there plenty i look forward to seeing you guys there Make sure you go check him and his new teammates out. Some of the best sense content out there, folks. That's it for this episode of Internal Budget. Please enjoy the hockey tonight. It is so good to have the Ottawa Senators back. And I am looking forward to a long, well, short, but successful, fun-to-watch season and whatever else may come. So please stay home, stay healthy, stay safe, and welcome the Ottawa Senators back. Take care, y'all.